Advance your spa career with management training from the University of California. Earn a professional certificate online in just six months. Visit ce.uci.edu forward slash spa training. Hi, welcome to SpaCast by Spa and Wellness Mexicaribe. I am Sarah Jones, and today we're going to talk about nine key metrics for a profitable spa business. And I'm here with Carmelina Montelongo, founder and president of Barneco Lore, a spa consulting company. She was previously a business controller for Nestle. She has opened an innovative local spa concept at a boutique hotel in Merida, Yucatan, in Mexico, and has worked as wellness director in the award-winning Chable Resort and Spa, also in the Yucatan. Welcome, Carmelina. How are you today? I'm doing great, Sarah. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity. Thank you so much for joining. So let's start by talking about these metrics. Can you explain to our listeners why it is so crucial for spa and wellness businesses to measure and track this range of metrics? Well, yes, sure. We all know that the spa economy, which is now valued at $119 billion, has significantly grown in number of facilities, revenues, and employment. But still, they are very immature when it comes to understanding the basic financial metrics to make them profitable businesses. And we also know that spa directors are not being trained in the, in the business of spas. And spas are crucial business centers for a hotel or resort whenever they are inside of one of them. So, well, one of the problems is that operators and owners, they tend to overlook it. And generally it is because they don't understand the spa business. And this has happened to me over and over again, their lack of hands-on experience or expertise regarding the spa will limit its potential to contribute to the overall profitability of the entire hospitality business. Now, it's interesting, Sarah, that the magic behind the word spa makes developers, investors, uh, lodging operators, and even owners think that they are not profitable businesses. That's really true because so many hotel companies in the past and so many general managers, some still and some not at all, but do think of spa as an amenity, as a service rather than a profit center and a revenue generating part of the business, which it should be. You're totally right. Exactly. And here I would like to mention tremendous job that Judy Singer and Patty Montenson, both founders of Health Fitness Dynamics Spa, they, they created the blueprint of what they call the business of spas. After 33 years working in the spa industry and having consulted spas in every, in every continent, they worked with this blueprint and they came up with the idea that building spas was uh, something, I mean, they had to be profit centers as well as tangible assets to the company's core business of selling hotel rooms and real estate, which means that spa managers and spa directors, again, they need to be trained in the business of spas, and they need to understand the basic financial metrics and their contribution to the core business. Now, for the purpose of this podcast, even though we have, uh, in, we have in the industry several ratios, I would like to mention only nine key metrics 
that were identified after an economic research study that was conducted in between 2008 and 2016. In 2008, it was Ben Kamsi, who's a very well-known financial expert in the hospitality real estate industry, along with Yuri Singer, they crafted seven key metrics to help the spa as well as hotel resort managers operate profitable properties. And it was later in, I believe it was 2016, that two other metrics were included, so make it nine total. Excellent. So let's review the nine key metrics you recommend tracking one by one. Great. Number one, we have the average treatment rate. And this is by far the most fundamental ratio for SPAS. The average treatment rate or revenue per treatment ratio identifies the average selling price. That's basically it. And it is calculated dividing the total treatment revenue for a specific period by total number of treatments for that same period. And I here I highly recommend to separate spa services from salon services. This metric is also very highly influenced by the mix of the service offerings, uh, the duration of the services, and also the pricing structure of, of the services. Perfect. And this is really 101. This is really the most basic metric. And uh, Hopefully, all spa managers, directors, and owners are looking at this one. Some of the rest, I think, will get a a little bit more complex. Please carry on. Absolutely. And very easy to calculate. Now, number two, the treatment room utilization ratio. This is very similar to the occupancy percentage hotel executives used to measure usage of hotel guest rooms. And it is calculated dividing the number of treatment hours by the total available treatment hours. As easy as that. It is a critical measurement of demand against what we will have in the spas as the maximum available inventory. And now typically, like the average in the spa, even though we know we don't have like these standards in the industry, it's in between 30 to 50% utilization rate. Now, top performing spas, they do measure this metric by hour And this helps them in implementing strategies, including discounts, as well as product or treatment add-ons when they have these low demand periods. When we do combine these first and second ratios, average treatment rate with treatment room utilization, we can increase by applying discount at points of low demand and also we can increase revenues and also by selling the treatments with the higher rates at a peak demand. Yes, that makes that makes sense. This metric, something as a previous spa director, is something I'm used to tracking, but it does surprise me here in our region, the number of spa directors I speak to or spa managers, perhaps when I'm recruiting, uh, doing interviews, that don't actually know this figure off the top of their head for the spa that they're managing. So this, I think, is an area of improvement, an area of opportunity for spa directors in our region. They should all be tracking this very important metric. Totally agree with you. Now, we come to our third ratio, which is therapist productivity. Measuring this ratio, this indicator, will help spas to monitor scheduling efficiency. And it is calculated dividing the total number of service hours performed by the total number of therapists hours available. 
This metric is, is especially critical for those spas that compensate their therapies with a combination of a base wage and commissions. As we know that the spa will incur in the direct payroll costs for those idle hours in which a therapist is on the clock but is not generating revenues. Normally, the spa, like the average of the spa, should maintain a productivity level in between 80 to 85%. And here we have to be very careful, Sarah, because when a therapist's productivity is higher, ratio is higher than 85%, it will generally mean that there is not sufficient staff available to meet the demand. Absolutely agree, yes. As I said, it is one of my favorite metrics that is often overlooked by spa managers. For those of us who, had, who have had experience managing a spa, or who are currently managing therapist teams, we know that even if there is no base wage, as the therapists are compensated only by the, the, the commission, there is a high, and I would say extremely high, risk to have therapists just sitting around without appointments. We know that this will be very negative and affect the, the staff atmosphere. So it is very important to identify when it is convenient to have therapists available, even when this might mean having them on standby. Now, number four metric is called revenue per available treatment room. And this is a spa measurement similar to the hotel's revenue per available lodging room. It's based on the treatment areas within the spa and is calculated taking the total amount of treatments revenue generated divided by the number of treatment rooms or stations. Normally, we refer to stations when, when we have a salon. This indicator can be used to easily understand the revenue impact of building a spa or adding treatment rooms to a property. Also, it is very helpful for developers when we want to demonstrate to potential lenders or partners that the spa revenue will service the debt and provide a return for the investors. This is a really great metric, and there's something that uh, previously it, in my role in spa operations as a spa director, we've used to calculate the most profitable size of spa. Because when you have a small spa, you may be missing opportunities. When you have a spa that's too big, you never can really fill those treatment rooms unless you have a really different operation and capture. Um, and it, it's really tough when you go over 30 treatment rooms, like a really expansive large spa, it's very difficult to justify that number of treatment rooms. So it's really um, easy to see that an ideal spa size, depending on the size of the resort and hotel or community that it's serving, can be anywhere from four or five to 12 to 14. But that right at that middle point was what we found to be most efficient, somewhere around 10, um, of course, depending on external factors. But that's a really interesting metric, yes. I totally agree with you. And also depending on the type of spa, whether mm -hmm. it is a spa just like a day or urban spa, maybe it is a spa within a hotel or resort, and it is quite different when it comes to a destination spa or when it is a spa in a thermal mineral uh, waters concept. So, but yes, it is very, very interesting to calculate this and very useful for, for, for developers since the, the stage of planning. Now, number five, revenue per guest. 
this ratio is also known as revenue per ticket. And it will measure the average spending by each spa guest and helps spa managers to keep track of the rate of guest spending. It is very easy to calculate. It will just it is um, calculated dividing the total treatment and retail revenues in a period divided by the total number of customers or guests in that same period. And the only ways to build revenues, well, this this is kind of Sarah, this is a, like a well-known known truth of the industry that the only ways to build revenues for a spa are either to attract new clients or increase the amount of revenues or increase the amount of current clients spending at the spa, right? Mm-hmm. So this ratio, revenue per guest, will help evaluate not only the average spend per guest, but also it will help us determine if it is convenient to add a new outlet over time because it will result either in new revenue or rather displacement. Excellent. Yes, good point. Now, number six metric is revenue per square foot. The revenue per square foot ratio, it is used to discover the revenue contribution of the spa to the entire property on a square foot basis. And it is calculated dividing the total spa revenues by the square footage of the spa facilities. Now, here it is sometimes very difficult to determine a spa square footage due to the outside relaxation areas, outdoor pools, among others. So the standard that we use in the industry is to include only air-conditioned or under a roof square footage for this ratio. And again, it is a statistic frequently used by investors and developers to evaluate the costs and the ongoing revenue, of course, per square foot to add a spa versus a restaurant, a retail outlet, or any other amenity, even though we don't like to call it amenities, to the property. Number seven, spa revenue per occupied room. This, is, uh, this measures total spa revenue against the total number of occupied hotel rooms. In the spa industry, this ratio generally falls in the range of $40 to $70. And I may say again that this is one of my favorite metrics because it will allow to measure all the efforts the spa director is doing related to the offering of innovative, unique, and very targeted treatments and services. So this is where we can really see how the spa is creating a competitive advantage. As we know that food and beverage and rooms are limited by how much a guest can eat or sleep, right? Then number eight, contribution margin of treatments. Contribution margin is also known as gross margin. This is uh, very, very financial, and is defined as a revenue or retail price minus all the direct variable costs. And these variable costs will be the direct therapist labor plus the cost of professional products and the cost of supplies that we use to perform the treatment. Then, like to produce the most profit-oriented spa menu of services, the spa will first need to calculate or this direct cost of each treatment listed on the menu. This will establish its treatment's profitability, but based on its contribution margin. 
Now, the higher the contribution margin, the more desirable the treatment is to sell. We know that because the contribution margin will um, enable spa managers to look beyond the treatment cost percentage in order to accurately see the value of each treatment's role in the menu mix and overall revenues. And this is where a very useful tool comes into place, which is the menu engineering. This tool for spas that helps evaluating the sales demand and contribution margins of each treatment on their services menu. Excellent. It could be tempting for spa managers to see the appeal in massage services because the cost per treatment is very low, whereas speciality facial treatments, the cost per treatment is very high. However, we also need to remember that the menu needs to have these elaborate signature therapies where the cost of treatment is a little higher, but to offer something unique and different that draws people in and that encourages those people that take massages regularly to try something new and innovative and exciting that sets the spa apart. Absolutely. I I totally agree with you. Great. Let's move on to number nine. Okay, number nine is the spa capture rate. This metric is is calculated dividing the number of resort guests that book one or more spa treatments by the total number of resort guests. It provides us with information on how the spa is attracting guests from the resort or how the resort is driving guests to the spa. And this uh, spa capture rate is often used to build spa forecasts. Yes, and we'll see very different rates in a hotel spa in a city, a resort spa by a beach, and a destination spa where you may have retreats going on. But always a very important metric to be aware of. Exactly. Okay, and that's the nine spa key metrics that I recommend spa managers have always on hand. They're very reliable and, as you've seen also, very easy to calculate. Yes, and these will really help spas to focus on their profitability to be considered as revenue-generating centers rather than being treated as an amenity, as we mentioned Exactly. And spa directors, yes, they, they must realize that spas that they are leading, they were developed and they were constructed and they were supplied with someone else's money. And these people, they are expecting to have a return on their investment. So, and spa directors, they are the first, and you know that because you've been one, and foremost responsible for providing a reasonable return on that, on that capital invested. Absolutely. And it's definitely possible with the industry growing at the rate it is. There's a lot of money to be made in this industry. And there's a lot of services that can be delivered to guests and clients who are looking for wellness and more spa in their life. Exactly. Keeping the magic in it, as we've seen. Exactly. (laughs) So let's move on to some questions for you, Carmelina. What has been your biggest aha moment in your career? That's a pretty good question. Well, maybe, and I'll say at the age of 16, I went with some girlfriends to a spa. And I think, I believe it was the first time for me to be in a spa. And there was this moment while I was taking a dip in a hot plunge. And I told them, this is exactly 
what I want to do like forever in life. And they, they were laughing, right? I mean, who couldn't do that, like to do that forever? Uh, <laughs> but what I meant was to be behind the scenes and create all the scenario for that to happen to people and to feel exactly what I was feeling. Maybe nine years ago, when I first visited Rosas and Chocolate, that you have been there several times now, Sarah. And mm -hmm. when, I, when I was visiting the facilities and I went up, I know you remember this, I saw the jacuzzi, this beautiful jacuzzi that is outside in a beautiful pink color terrace. Do you remember this jacuzzi? I do indeed. It's beautiful. And even though Rosas and Chocolate by then didn't have a spa, they did have the jacuzzi. So I said, this is me. I mean, this is my place. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I started. I started like again in my career with the help of Carl Colos, the owner of Rosas and Chocolate. Very grateful for him that he believed in me. And then Diana Mestre, who was always supporting me and backing me up for all decisions. So I think that is my aha moment. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you found your calling in the spa and wellness industry. <laughs> yes. Okay. And a few quick questions. What is your hidden talent? I will say I'm obsessively organized. I'd love to categorize almost everything. And can I say a second one? Sure. I'm a very good storyteller. Ah, oh, those are both great talents to have. <laughs> What would be your advice for your younger self? It will be only one, and it is not to take life too seriously. That's a great piece of advice. If only we could all tell our younger selves that. <laughs> <laughs> and Carmelina, what is your favorite quote or saying? This I will take from my favorite book ever from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, his masterpiece, The Little Prince. And the quote is beautiful. It says, And now here is my secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eyes. I love that. Mm, that's lovely. What a beautiful quote. With credit to Oprah Winfrey for this question, what do you know for sure? What I know for sure is that if there is doubt, it always means don't. Whenever we feel this doubt, we just have to trust our instincts. That I know for sure. That's also a great piece of advice, trusting our instincts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Carmelina. This has been a great conversation. And I'm sure many of our listeners will have gleaned much from the nine key metrics that you've shared with us. And hopefully we'll be able to put those into practice in their spa and wellness businesses Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Thank you for listening. This is SpaCast by Spa and Wellness Mexicaribe. Advance your spa career with management training from the University of California. Earn a professional certificate online in just six months. Visit ce.uci.edu forward slash spa training.